0: Hello, welcome to the podcast for Vineyard Church Cardiff. Today, James is carrying on our current series, Devoted. Devoted to Jesus, devoted to his people, devoted to his cause. Hello, we're continuing in our series in Acts 4 today called Devoted, a little three-part series. Last week, we looked at being devoted to Jesus. And just to give you a tiny recap, because... The passage that we're going into today follows on from the previous passage. But Acts 3, Peter and John go up to the temple at the time of prayer. Man who hasn't been able to walk since birth. They're there. He starts begging. And turn to him, silver or gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Put him to his feet. Incredible miracle. This man goes into the temple, starts praising God, jumping around. Like cannot believe what's happened. Peter starts preaching as a response to this. He's like, "Look at this man," and people start gathering from the from the area. They hear what's happened. They see this man that they've walked past every day, and so in their community, it's all going on. And Peter stands up and says, "It's in the name of Jesus that this man has been healed today. It's in His name. There is no name under heaven." through which you shall be saved in the name of Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone that you have rejected, the cornerstone of the building. And so last week we just looked at this beautiful passage just talking about the awesomeness of Jesus, devotion to Jesus. Now, we're continuing. We're actually going to skip a few verses and come back to them next week as we look at his mission. But today we're going to be talking about being devoted to his people. So I'm going to pick it up in verse 23. This is this. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. So they'd been in prison. Sorry, they got imprisoned after this event. The religious leaders didn't know what to do with them, so they stuck them in prison. And reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. I want you to notice this little phrase on their release. That's how the passage starts. They've been released from prison. And so what's the first thing? What, what do they want to do? Well, they go back to their people. They're, they go straight back and they share the story of what happened and start praying together. And I'm sure that they would have been deeply, deeply shaken by this situation. On, on the one hand, they'd have been full of awe and faith. They've seen this incredible miracle. People have come to faith. can you imagine them, you know, going back to their their friends and just telling them the story? You should have seen what happened. Everybody was coming to see the healing. It was incredible. It was in Jesus's name. There's there's power in his name. We thought that there might be, but there is power in his name. They're sharing kingdom stories together. And you're saying, Peter, like your sermon was inspired. It was amazing. Where did that come from? Who thought? So they've got this going on on. awe and wonder and then on the other side they've just been thrown in prison it's pretty scary stuff so they're sharing stories they're praying together and I just want to draw a parallel for a moment on their release because it makes me think about us being released after this time during Covid where we felt isolated and confined and trapped and stuck in our houses after this whole period of time what do we do where do we go you know as soon as we're released you know it's like do we go back to his people to share kingdom stories to pray that God's going to break in that God's going to use this moment to bring people to him it just made me think about our response what we long for what's the deep longings of our hearts what's important and what we see here and throughout the New Testament is how the church devoted themselves to one another. In Acts 2, it says, verse 42, they devoted themselves to one another. That's where this word devoted has come from, from our series, is that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to being with one another, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They knew where their strength came from. They knew that their strength came from being together together. So, coming back into the passage on their release, they they raised their voices together in prayer to God, Sovereign Lord, they said, "You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything them you 're in charge you're ultimately you are sovereign, you are in charge, and they 're praying about this persecution that they 're experiencing." And in this prayer, they're asking, well, why is it that people come against you? You know, they've seen this amazing miracle. Why are people coming against you? Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one, against Jesus. Down to verse 29. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant. Jesus after they prayed the place where they were meeting was shaken and we don't know whether that was just like a visible shake. it could be like an earthquake it's like shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly they're shaken but they're together they'd been threatened the authorities are telling them don't preach in the name of Jesus you are not allowed to do that it's not in his name And the authorities, you know, in that moment when they're taken to prison, they're probably threatened to take away their their wealth, their freedom, their love, their life, all of the things that they hold dear, dear. They're like, look, we can just do this with you. That's what they threatened. And as a result of the threats, Peter and John were badly shaken. And I think that can be missed unless you really read into this prayer that we see. Look at the prayer and you'll see The thing that they prayed for, what is it that they're praying for in this moment? And we get down to it in verse 29. They say, give us boldness. Do you know what that means? It means that they were scared. It means you don't pray for boldness unless you're frightened. You don't pray for strength unless you feel weak. And the reasons that they're scared is because they were feeling shaken. It's a powerful prayer. They prayed for boldness. What else did they pray for? stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. More miracles, we're not content with what we've seen, it's like we've seen what your power can do, we're aware of it and now stretch out your hand to heal. We want to see more of your power and your glory and they're not saying Lord protect our wealth, they don't say protect our children and our families, they don't say protect our lives, they don't say protect our freedoms, any of the things that we might think it's like protect us, protect us, protect us, they don't They're not saying, get rid of these men who are threatening us, get them out of power. They don't say anything about their circumstances at all. And it doesn't mean that it's wrong to pray for those kind of things. In fact, a few chapters later in the book of Acts, Peter's in prison and his friends and the disciples get together and they pray for his release. There's nothing wrong with praying about circumstances, but they understood that there was something far more important that they needed. They said, what we want is boldness that goes beyond circumstances make us courageous make us bold and so how does god answer this prayer verse 31 well i've been coming back again to this verse all week long just this picture of being shaken by the holy spirit they are shaken up after they prayed the place where their meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the holy spirit and spoke the word of god boldly the prayer meetings in acts are epic aren't they? You know, sometimes people are like, oh, you know, if you could go back to a, a time, when would you go back to? And obviously I'd like to meet Jesus, like that's kind of a given, but I'd love to have been there at Pentecost. I'd love to have been there in this moment. You know, these are, these are amazing. The place where they're meeting was shaken. The people of God gather together in adversity. They're on the back foot, they're shaken. They cry out, God, give us courage. God, give us boldness. And that is a prayer that God loves to answer. Boldness. And what is it boldness for? They're like boldness to stand for the things of God. At the end of the verse, it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. That's what they're wanting. It's not just courage to kind of live. It's like courage to speak of your name, courage to not back down, courage to say that Jesus is the only way, that there is no other, there's no other way. They're pressing in. And So just as i'm starting this talk i i'd love just to take a moment to be like would you be up for praying for boldness it's like lord i want boldness in this season all that's going on around us i want boldness i want courage to speak of you to not step back to press in the lord we just pray for boldness i I pray for boldness i want a ridiculous boldness over me i want a ridiculous boldness over our church about how beautiful and how worthy and how wonderful you are lord let us speak of your name may there be no other name on our lips so lord just as we sit and listen to this or stand or wherever you are just receive the holy spirit and the spirit of boldness in jesus name amen boldness over the lockdown i've read lots of books (laughs) many many books but one of the books that i've read is by a guy called Mark Sayers. It's called Reappearing Church. His first book was called Disappearing Church, you know, some of the things that are going on. And then he, then he's like, but there's hope, don't worry, there's a reappearing church. And what is it? And the question that he's posing and answering is this, how do we posture ourselves for a move of God? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we prepare our hearts for a move of God and an infilling of the Spirit of God is deeply challenging and really, really inspiring. I felt incredibly inspired a bit. Anyway, one of the phrases that he uses that's just lodged itself in my mind, it's not original to me, it's from him, is this. From consuming to contending. From consuming to contending. I don't think that there's any doubt that we live in a culture, Western culture, which is main focus is on consuming. We consume things, we think as consumers, and sometimes when you're in something, you don't realise how prevalent it is, how strong it is. The thought process that goes with this, is this, what can I get? What is good for me? I am the consumer of a product or a service, and it's how we make so many of our decisions in life. What's gonna be good for me? And it's that me question it's all about me as we emerge from covid and the storm that's blown through our nations we have choices about how we build our lives how we relate to god's people what we prioritize where we put our energy what i love about this moment of adversity that we see here is where did they want to go on their release where did they want to go they wanted to go and be with the people of god they wanted to go and pray they wanted to go and say, God, we need your presence. Mark says in his book, um, he says this, and he calls this choosing to contend, moving from consuming to contending. When we step into a posture of contending, we choose to stand in the place of transformation rather than accumulation. We no longer live to acquire a portfolio of possessions and cool experiences. Because you might be sitting there and going, I'm not that bothered about material things. You might be about the things that you experience, though. Instead, the horizon we're heading for, which will shape our lives, is the meeting of heaven and earth at the end of the age. Consumer culture is driven by the myth of secularism, that there is nothing more than your stuff. You are just stuff, so grab all the stuff you can before you die. In contrast, the posture of contending flows from the truth that there's a great divine drama at play. There's far more than just stuff. God invites us to partner with him contending and centering our lives around his mission in the world. This is the truth, that it's not just affirmed, it's walked out. Nets must be dropped. We believe with our feet each step a choice to contend rather than simply live to consume. And the book goes on to talk about, okay, well, what does contending look like? And I guess for a lot of my preaching in the next term, I'm um, going to keep coming back to this idea of contending rather than consuming. God has called us to be a people who contend and when i picture contending it's like coming before the god of faith it's this prayer meeting that we're picturing here it's like god give us boldness to speak the name of jesus that that would be what we're about consuming has at its heart me my wants my needs my desires contending has at its heart devotion devotion to jesus devotion to his people Devotion to his mission. Can you see how those things are so, so different? In this passage, we see the, uh, the devotion that God's people had for one another. They shared their lives and their stories. They prayed together, God centered prayers, not just get me out of this circumstance, but God move, sovereign God of heaven. And in response to this, the place where they were together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Have you ever experienced a prayer meeting like this? This last week, I've been away with the Vineyard Leadership Group. Um, one of the roles that we have is kind of to pray, to seek and peer of what God's doing to, li- to lead the, the Vineyard churches. And we've spent a couple of days away. What I love about this group is the hunger and heat for the things of God, the passion the brokenness, the heart's cry, we were worshipping together. It was like, oh, it felt like the room was shaking. There was just this moment of the passion, the outpouring of, God, you've got to move. God, you've got to move. We're nothing without you. This group isn't perfect. We've got cracks. We're, I'm not perfect. I'm we are a mess sometimes. But I can tell you it's sold out for the plans and purposes of God. They're brothers and sisters in Jesus that are like, we know what we want. The prayers are for boldness and for courage for a move of God that sweeps the United Kingdom and Ireland. Praying together is absolutely vital for God's people, contending for God to move. I'm more convinced than ever that we need each other, that we need God to shake us. After they prayed, the place where, verse 31, where they were meeting was shaken, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God boldly. When the Holy Spirit fills us, He makes us hunger after the things of God. That's part of the filling. It's like, oh, my desires, my appetites begin to change. It's like the focus begins to change. The perspective begins to change. Our our focus changes from me to him. It's like, not what I want, but God, what do you want? Let not my will be done, but yours. They spoke the word of God boldly. They talked about him. COVID, has generally moved people inwards, we see that in our society. How do we make sure that covid doesn 't do that to us th- as the church it 's like instead actually it 's the, the togetherness that they were together praying and seeking god that 's where the fire came from that 's why God turned up in power. The passage that we i 'm about to finish with really really comes against this idea of consumerism it 's a really it's a big passage, it's the kind of passage that you read and you have to reread and you have to keep coming back to and you have to keep soaking in and you're like, Lord, what does this mean? What does this mean? So verse 32, the believers share their possessions is like the title above. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed, claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything that they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's grace was so powerfully at work in the more, and there were no needy persons amongst them. For from time to time, those who owned land or whole houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to everyone as they had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Well, it's a challenging passage, isn't it? It comes directly against individualism and consuming. And the narrative of our culture goes like this. It's mine. I work for it. I can spend it how I please. The biblical view is this. It's his. He's asked me to steward it. How can my generosity speak of your goodness? Well, that's a question. How can my generosity speak of how good you are and how much you've changed me? The early church was known for its incredible generosity, people looked in. There's lots of accounts of people looking in at this community and being like, the way that they look after one another and the way that they look after the poor has to be God. There's, good, there's something in this. People were captivated by it. They no longer looked at these things, the things, as if they belonged to them. They became radically generous. We use the language in our community of something that we're aspiring to be is outrageously generous, that the world would look at it and be like, that's outrageous. The passage says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, all the believers were, one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions were their own, but they shared everything that they had. What is so striking is that this is exactly the same pattern that happened two chapters before. What happened in Acts 2, the more famous version of this experience at Pentecost, tongues of fire, Holy Spirit comes down. It says this, Acts 2, 43 to 44. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, enjoying the favour of all the people. It can't be a coincidence. When the Holy Spirit comes down on people and God's presence is real to them, they get radically generous with their money. And the commentators will tell you that what's so fascinating about this passage is that the sharing of of goods and wealth is happening across social classes. People who had homes and lands and they could sell them, they put the proceeds at the apostles' feet. They were well-off people. People in need were getting money from the people who had money so the well-off and needy could be together in the same place. And because of this incredible wealth sharing, verse 33 says, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit falls and they start to give their money away, but there's something in the middle. Do you see what it is? It's boldness. The Holy Spirit fell and they were filled with boldness and then they gave their money away. Why? What is it that stops followers of Jesus, that stops Christians from being radically generous? I don't think it's necessarily stinginess. I think it's fearfulness. We're afraid. We, we need that money as a hedge against the future or we need the investments or we need the savings well, you know it could be a combination of both things but often there's a fear. This passage is saying if God has come down into your life and to the degree he's come down into your life and you know that this is the Lord of the universe who loves you then that fear is going to start going away and you're going to be increasingly generous. If you say well you know, I know that God loves me but you're not radically generous then you don't know that god loves you because you haven't caught his heart and you're not living as he would live you might know with your head but you haven't sensed it deeply with your whole being and i'm not here to say to oh you better give more money to charity and ministry i'm here to say to you you need more of the love of god until you want to be generous can you see it's not just this oh we have to do this it's like actually the love of god compels me it's like they met together. The Holy Spirit comes in power and it changed the way that they looked at life. Let this passage mess with you. It's deeply challenged. You don't just shrug it off and say, "Oh yeah, well, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. Let God speak to you through it. It's like, okay, what would it look like for my life to model the goodness and generosity of God? I want to finish with these last two verses. You're like, some of you are like... Ooh. Okay, I'll stay there for a minute, but let me finish with this. Joseph, verse 36, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. Being devoted to his people from consuming to contending means thinking differently. And as you think about this next season, as you start to way up what it's going to look like what am i going to put in what am i not going to put in and to be honest there's a level of uncertainty about it as well it's like well it's this way for the next month and then we'll work about i'd love you to consider this what am i bringing to this community what am i bringing to this community what is the field that i'm bringing like barnabas and it could be financial i'm not saying it's not financial but i'm thinking about it slightly more broadly than just finances Rather than, what can I get, what can I bring? How can I make sure that I'm contending rather than consuming? I want you to imagine for a minute a small group, 10 to 15 people in our community who do life together. That's why we have small groups. And if you're not in in one, I'm like, get one. It's really, really important. But imagine if each person came to that community saying, what can I bring? How can I encourage? How can I be committed? How can I be generous with my time and my possessions? How can I invite the Holy Spirit? How can I love people in this community well? How can I pray with others? How can I support the leaders? How can I be a joy to lead? What am I gonna bring to that community? And you think about that in a small group, okay? Well, you might think about that in your site as well. What is it that I'm gonna bring? What am I bringing? And that's the mindset shift rather than, okay, what what am I gonna get? What do i need it's like what am i going to bring as we begin to concentrate and think differently and we begin to contend for the things of god a whole perspective begins to change can you imagine what kind of community that would look like there is a kingdom principle as we give what we've been entrusted to by god that we're good stewards and we give whether finances gifts time energy money then i believe that God blesses us back. As we give, he pours back into us. What about your gifts? Think about that for a moment. How do your gifts serve our community? What can you bring? The danger in any community is that 20% of people do everything and 80% of people watch going, God, they're working hard. Our heart, and it always has been from the very early days of the community, is that 80% of the people do everything and the 20% of people who are coming towards faith or who just, you know, they are absolutely burnt out. They can just be a part of it. The people of God works and flourishes and thrives when everybody takes their place. It talks about us being like the body. You know, you've got the eyes and the hands and the shoulders and the hips, and I don't know what bit I I am, maybe an ear, I don't know. But what can I bring? If you're not currently involved, Join in, get stuck in. That's the invitation. Come and be part of the eighty percent. Come and be part of using your gifts for the furthering of God's kingdom. If you don't know where to get involved, speak to your site pastor. Sometimes people are, I'm not sure what my gift is. Sometimes it's just being available. It's like I'll do whatever needs to be done. We often use the picture of a family meal, and that's what's going on. Is we have this family meal. We all have different roles and somebody cooks and somebody lays the table and somebody creates the decoration. Somebody looks after kids. It's this picture of we all muck in. Nobody's better than anybody else. We all have different gifts. And we, we are a family together moving towards things. They devoted themselves to one another, the people of God. So in finishing, Jesus is coming back for a bride. He is coming back for his church. My heart is that as the church, we are preparing and we are seeking God to move in power. That that moment where they come together and they're like, we've seen this incredible miracle. And they're like, God, we praise you for what you're doing. And they spoke the word of God boldly. That my prayer is that you pray for boldness in this season. That you're like, God, fill me with boldness. That you sit there and that you're like, actually, what does it mean to contend? for the kingdom in this next bit? How can I be a part of contending? What can I bring? What does, it, what does it look like for you to sit with that mindset? And that God has given us his beautiful bride. Let's love that bride. Let me pray in finishing. Jesus, I want to thank you for the scripture. Man alive, it's challenging. Pfft. Beautifully challenging. Lord, I love that we read it and then it challenges us and it's like wow you've got a long way to go it's like yeah I have but Jesus there's also grace in the middle of it grace and boldness and courage we need all of it and so Lord move stir people open them up we love you we want to be devoted to you Jesus we want to be devoted to your church we want to be devoted to your mission